Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with the founder and CEO of Fitner's Daughter, April Gargiulo. April, thank you for taking the time to talk today. You are one busy girl. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, I am so excited to talk to you because you have a fantastic story and you make an incredible product. But before we talk about what you're doing right now, let's start by rewinding to the beginning of your career, shall we? Let's do it. Okay. What was your very first professional career? Because it wasn't in skincare or wine. No, it was not. Okay, so when I graduated from college, my the only thing I wanted to do was was to be in the world of design in New York City. So I basically took the first job um, that I could get, which was at a direct um, advertising company called Wonderman Cato Johnson. And um, I think I was there all of... I don't even know, probably not even a year. I mean, maybe not even six months, to be honest, before I got a job in, (laughs) well, because I just needed a job to move to New York City. And, (laughs) and, and that was it. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to get that. And then I'll go find something in the design world. And then I got a job in the design world working um, at a textile design firm. And then from there worked at a furniture design firm. And, um, and those were my those were I was there and I was in New York for gosh about five years six years and the furniture design firm that I worked with it was called um, or that I worked for was called Vitra and um, just had such a, a kind of a clear vision and mission around the artists and the designers that they were going to work with and the um, uh, the products they were going to create and I um I will say that that is one of the things I look back today and it was very um, foundational um, and shaped and shaped the way I think about um, even uh, how you can have such kind of a clear mission. They were also a company that very much was going against the tides in many ways. Um, They were one of the first company to really make sustainability a very big part of, of um, their focus and their mission. And they worked, like I said, with some of the very most in- incredible artists and designers and really ca- had the, the integrity around that, integrity a- around expression, I think. Um, so it was very, it was very um, formidable and foundational to, to my kind of professional career. So did you go to school to be a designer? No, well, no. no. <laughs> so I went to a, no, I mean, I went to a liberal arts college um, I went to Duke. I had, I enjoyed college. I enjoyed um, taking all sorts of amazing classes from incredible um, professors. And so I ended up with three majors, oh my none gosh. of which, well, I mean, don't be impressed because none of them had anything to do with what I wanted to do in life. So um, it was, um, you know, I think just the discovery of, of oh, I like this. Oh, and I like that too. And, and you know, anyway, it's kind of funny when I think about it today, of course. So what was it about design that really caught your attention? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I really love the expression. I mean, I think it's one of the things I love about wine, too, um, this this idea of expression through materiality. And, um, and, and, you know, in wine, we're, we're talking about earth and, and grapes and in, in furniture design, you're talking about the materiality of, um, um, you know, all, all the different ways that you can kind of create a chair or create a sofa or just create a, um, a, a space. Right. And that was, that was really interesting and, and, um, and really just like satisfied a lot of curiosity I had. Okay. But then your family kind of lured you to, to the uh, Napa Valley. <laughs> well, so my family had been growing grapes in Napa for some time. Right. Was not making wine. Um, they, they had this dream that they would start making wine. Um, I, uh, 9-11 happened in New York City, and that propelled me um, and compelled me, I, I guess, maybe to be closer to family. And so I moved out to California and started working um, alongside um, my my parents. And um, this was when they thought, okay, now, now we're going to start making wine. And I think that we had, I don't know, maybe that first vintage we had about a barrel. So maybe, what, 24, 25 cases of wine. And... Um, and, you know, I always still to this day think it's wild that they t- trusted me, but they sort of said, okay, we're going to have one barrel this year. We're going to have four next year and eight the year after, and we'll figure it out from there. Um, and so I was the, um, thankfully for anyone enjoying Gargiulo um, Vineyards Wines, I had nothing to do with the actual production, but everything to do with the sales and marketing side of it. But what seems to be a common theme, I believe, or will become a common theme is is your family's vineyards are in Oakville, which is considered some of the finest grapes in the world, dare I say? I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Again, you're making a great product from, uh, you know, fine materials, right? <laughs> yes. No, I mean, there's absolutely, on you know, you kind of think about it, you go from design to wine to skincare, none of that makes any sense. But, you know, the, the commonality between them all is this appreciation for raw materials, right. for sure, and, and how you can kind of create something out of, you know, what it means to create something out of the finest raw materials and to really honor those materials through very diligent, thoughtful, meticulous craftsmanship, right? right. That's something that I do today with Vintner's Daughter. It's certainly something that we do still today at Gargiulo Vineyards, and it is what I learned from my days in the design world. So it is it is absolutely something that carries through. Right, the common thread. So talking about Vintner's Daughter, I've got to ask, can you tell us about that light bulb moment when you decided I'm going to get into skincare? <laughs> um, I mean, it kind of strangely was a bit of a light bulb moment. Um, so I had been, you know, I had been working at the winery for, I guess, maybe nine years, eight, nine years and was traveling, you know, all over the world for wine events and visiting collectors. And at this point in my life, I knew, um, my husband and I were going to start a family and I knew I didn't want to be kind of plain streets and automobiles anymore. So I'd stepped away from the winery, and, but was still somebody who really likes to create and likes to build and was thinking about a couple different businesses that I could create and had, um, was sort of parallel pathing three different businesses. Um, one was, um, skinny vine, which was going to be a low calorie wine. I think I, I think I still own the URLs for all of these. 
Um, one was called Mighty Butter, which is what it, or Mighty Pantry, um, that was going to sell all these super food infused um, pantry staples. And one was Vintner's Daughter. And I can remember, I mean, I can remember my husband and I were living in Napa at that time. I remember sitting around our, you know, like our kitchen island and he was looking at me thinking, it's saying, okay, you know, you should probably pick one of these because parallel pathing, you know, three different startups is, is probably not the best idea. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and certainly not the way that I wanted to do it. Um, and so, you know, I talked to him about skinny vine and told him about it, you know, maybe talked for maybe five minutes and, you know, tell them about, um, mighty pantry for maybe 10 minutes. And then I started talking to him about Bittner's daughter. And it, it was very clear from just my language, from my, my kind of like body language from, you know, the enthusiasm I was using when I was talking about Bittner's daughter, it was very clear which one of those ideas, um, was the one that I was most passionate about. So that, that there actually was a light bulb moment and that was it. Okay. But you had no, experience in this no. industry no well, other than no 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 other than being a skincare fanatic myself right no <laughs> nothing nothing in the actual industry so how do you enter that world and your approach again using the finest ingredients i feel like you need to find the best chemist ever right I was somebody who had always been um, challenged with my skin. So I had always been like trying skincare, everything you, you could think of, I've probably tried. And I, you know, I always joke that when all my friends were buying expensive handbags, I was buying expensive like lotions and potions. Right. <laughs> and I had this moment actually when I was pregnant with my first daughter and I started looking at all the labels and reading all the ingredients as, as, as many first time moms do. And I was just shocked that these so-called luxury products I had been using very expensive, fancy products. I started looking at the ingredients and realizing that they're really low quality, that they're made in a very fast kind of cheap way. And that didn't sit right with me. That wasn't, again, coming from my world of design, coming from my world of winemaking. That wasn't what I thought of as luxury, right? I, I thought of luxury as starting with the finest raw materials and honoring those materials through, like we talked about, this really diligent, meticulous craftsmanship. And so I was, you know, again, I'm using these so-called luxury products. They don't add, they, that is, that is, has no relationship to how they're created. And i I, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. How do I create a true luxury skincare company built off those same philosophical principles as the world of fine winemaking? How do I create skincare that holds quality and craftsmanship at its core, right? Right. And, and how do you set yourself up for success? Exactly. And so I, and I still do this today. I call it a get smarty, a get getting smarter tour. And I would talk to anyone who will talk to me. And, um, and one person I would, you know, I would talk to somebody and they'd say, you should talk to this person. And that person would give me two other people. So I started to triangulate and kind of form this really um, beautiful, wonderful community around me of people who understood what I was trying to do and were supportive of it. And so eventually um, we created a, a formula. Two and a half years later, I have a formula. I'm so proud of this formula. It's a formula that, you know, it's still the same formula today. It's a formula that really kind of was able to um, give me the skin that I had been um, searching for for so many years, right? Right. And, um, and I started going to labs. And because this was not going to be something that I was going to make in my kitchen, right? This, these are really advanced, complex formulas. Right. And I needed, I needed a really top lab. 
and I started going to the labs and they were turning me away left and right because what I didn't realize is that, you know, our formulas, um, again, you know, I'm coming from the world of wine. It takes three years to make a bottle of wine. That doesn't include the year it, it, it takes to grow the grapes. And so I'm starting with whole plants and spending three weeks um, kind of capturing all of those, the plants, actives and, and nutrition and all of, all of these incredible um, synergies that we are going to capture in our formulas to be able to have this connection with the skin, right? So it takes three weeks. I don't realize until I go to these labs that no one spends longer than three hours making a product. The top products in the world are made in hours. And so I'm getting turned away left and right. Um, very condescending, kind of like pats on the head, like, oh, trust us, you know, substitute this and use this synthetic and use this powder. And, you know, I always say, like, it had if it hadn't been for that world of winemaking and, and that insistence on the integrity of the raw materials and the integrity of the process, I would not have had the backbone to walk away from those, from those labs. I mean, again, they were the top labs in the country telling me, like, you absolutely can't do this. Um, so it was, again, another probably, like, maybe six to nine months after that before I was able to find somebody who really believed in um, in what I wanted to create. Mm-hmm. Was it because the numbers weren't working? Like it was just going to be too costly to make? Yeah. I mean, if you could make something in three hours right, and sell it for the same price that you wanted, that, mm-hmm. that, that another person's asking you to um, make in three weeks and the fabrication is far more expensive. Mm-hmm. The material, raw materials are far more expensive. Right. It takes a lot more like time and resources to create what, I mean, yeah, it, it was just something that they were not willing to invest in. You make a great correlation to the wine industry. It's like, you know, making the most expensive wine from Oakville grapes versus like $2. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. A $2 yes. bottle yes. of wine. <laughs> right. But in the skincare at least in the wine industry, that $2 bottle of wine is, is appropriately priced. In right. skincare, that $2 bottle of wine would cost you $400. Right. That's And the consumer doesn't, no. and the consumer many times doesn't recognize that. Right. So I'm looking at your website right now, and I'm looking at the active botanical serum. So it has 22 active ingredients. How do you pick? Dandelion, oh, how does, lavender, how those, rosemary. Yeah, how are those chosen? Yes. Right. Yeah. So we really looked to both ancient texts and um, and the kind of most cutting edge science to understand what ingredients were really able to have this very deep connection with the skin. Because right. ultimately, you know, I really object to the words that get used in the skincare world, like correct or fix or transform. Mm -hmm. Um, I really think they're used to create fear and insecurity. Mm -hmm. Um, I only want to create joy and gratitude and confidence in skin. And so, you know, we choose, we choose um, ingredients that are really able to um, allow your skin to be its very best. We are trying to empower your skin to be its most healthy, its most vibrant, its most radiant, its most balanced, right? right? I'm not trying to change or fix or transform because I do not believe your skin needs to be changed or fixed or transformed. I think it's beautiful. I would just want to give it everything it needs to be its very best, its most healthy, its most balanced, like our bodies. When you feed your body the very best food, it feels the best. It's its most resilient. It's its most healthy. That's what we're doing for the skin. You can't expect your body to be the best when you when you feed it synthetics or processed foods or, you know, or extracts, right? It's the same with our skin. 
we begin with whole plants and we know that that is how to be able to feed our skin the very at, at its most um, fundamental healthy level who is your beauty industry icon oh that's a good question I, I will say one a woman who I have just like incredible respect for not beauty but kind of botanical world icon would be I mean beauty is part of what she does mm-hmm. um, it's an outcome what Rosemary Gladstar I'm not familiar with her so oh can... okay Rosemary Gladstar is epic she is one of the like kind of like the founding not founding because this this work has been going on for literally centuries across cultures but she's somebody who's really brought botanical and the power of botanicals back into the popular consciousness over the last 50 years you've gotten a lot of fantastic recognition for your products oh like in press and and celebrities and things i know we're so lucky i'm very grateful I am so impressed. Gwyneth Paltrow, oh, Naomi Watts. Oh, Tracy Ellis Ross, um, Haley Bieber. I mean, we were so lucky and I don't, you know, I did not grow. I don't, you know, that is not my world. So I feel really honored that um, those individuals would would find us and use us and, and, and want to tell people about it. And and that's how we've grown, not not necessarily celebrities or press, but that word of mouth. Um, you know, we've never really done any marketing. Um, so it's all been, been our growth is really due to, you know, this, what we very lovingly, we call it G to G girlfriend to girlfriend. Um, somebody uses our product, finds our product, falls in love and tells their friends, tells their sister, tells their mother, gets stopped on the street sometimes to be asked what they're using on their skin. And, and that's really how we have, um, how we've grown over the years. And you launched your brand in 2013. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So one product wasn't enough. You came out with a second. So tell me. Let's, well, one let's... product wasn't enough, which is funny in the world of skincare because most skincare companies um, have 50 plus right. and they come out with 10, 10 a year um, under the guise of innovation. Um, yeah. So active, uh, we've always been uh, fewer and better is something that's very like a, a key component of who we are as a company. It's a, it's a part of our DNA. This idea of like, if you can have better results and fewer steps, why wouldn't you? Right. Not only is it better for your skin, but it's better for our planet. And so we are very careful to only introduce the most kind of advanced, complex, complex, multi-beneficial formulas, formulas that take the place in one, in one step of many. And so for us, you know, we look at the skin from a, you know, from a scientific standpoint and how do you make the skin its most healthy, its most balanced. All skin needs needs hydration. All skin needs moisture. Hydration is the water content in your skin. Moisture is the oil content in your skin. And your skin, again, like I said, needs both. Um, Most moisturizers, creams, are very simply, they're like an emulsion, a mixture of oil and water together. We know that when you separate those two steps and you have a distinct hydration step, followed by a distinct moisture step, your skin is better served. So we took that kind of... um, that cue from nature and from the skin health and created our two products around that to really serve those core foundational elements of skin health. So we have active treatment essence as your first step. That's your hydration step. Again, multi-beneficial hydration step. So it's everything from your, your toner to your vitamin C, to your hyaluronic, to your um, microexfoliator, to your pre-probiotic and microalgae. That's in a single step, but 
ultimately it's your that hydration step. And then we follow it with active botanical serum, which again is this incredibly multi-beneficial moisture step. And so in just like these two products, active treatment essence followed by active botanical serum, your skin's getting everything it needs to be its best. Are you able to use this, your products um, on other parts of your body? Are you making, I mean, other than your face, are you making? Listen, I would like to be able, I want, you know, those spray tan booths. Yes. I wish I could fill it with my products. Oh, that's and a just brilliant step into idea. One, head to toe essence, step into two, head to toe serum. I mean, I want, I don't know. I want illumination and firming and plumping pretty much everywhere. So I have not figured out how to do that yet, but, but one certainly could use it, use it anywhere, but it's made for your face, okay. your neck, your face, your chest. Has there been someone who has mentored you along the way through this? Oh, that's path? a great question. I mean, you know, so many people, I would say, uh, I, again, I, I talked about that getting smarter tour that I right. did at the beginning, like that, that doesn't stop. I, I, I make time and space for that in my calendar, um, every week. And so, I mean, there are so many people. I, I couldn't even name just one. What's the future hold? Well, you know, listen, you know, we have these two award-winning products that have had this just like extraordinary impact on our customer and our community's lives. And we're so proud of that. Um, I don't think we will stop with two products. I mean, again, you know, part of who we are as a company is is this idea of like fewer and better products. Um products that are made with finer quality, higher quality ingredients that serve the skin in a much deeper way so that you need fewer. Um, but, you know, we will have, I hope, um, another product in um, at some point. Our, you know, we ask our community all the time what they want, and they've, they've given us many um, great ideas. So, you know, never say never. Um, hopefully with Future Brings new products. If people want to learn more about your products is the best place your website or is there yeah vintner's daughter yeah vintner's daughter.com learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com april let's move on to your personal life you split your time between the napa valley and san francisco i am not going to tell you which home to talk about, but if we took us up inside one of your homes, what would we see? What is your decorating style? Well, I mean, San Francisco is where I spend um, the majority the of most, your time, the most time. Um, so my decorating style, I think, I don't know, warm, modern, probably eclectic, um, comfortable. I mean, I have young kids, so, you know, nothing, nothing to, um, precious or fragile is, is in, there is living in my house right now is there a predominant color um i really love um texture i like texture natural materials so i would not say they're so i would say the predominant color is probably neutrals when you kick back and relax which room do you go to we have one kind of you know room that serves as our living room dining room kitchen and so it's it's in there we live in a in an old Worcester, William Worcester home. And so it was made for a different, I mean, I think it was built in 1938. And so it was made for a kind of a different um, kind of living. Um, but we've, you know, we've made it work. I know that you're really, really busy. You're a mother and a wife and career woman. But any chance you might have a hobby or do you collect something? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I still love design. I still love um, furniture design. I still love, I mean, I love art. I don't know that I'm in a, a, a place or a space right now to be like actively collecting. I, I aspire to be um, 
uh, this is crazy, but I do aspire to be a basket, like a, a proficient basket weaver one day. Like I love to weave. Other than your family's wine, what do you like to drink at home? Um, gin. Ah, oh, okay. Botanical. Right. I, I mean, probably not, not too big of a, of a surprise. No, there's a lot of great ones out there right yes. now. Yes, and more by the day. It's really exciting. It is a growing segment. Can you tell us about a meaningful trip that you've taken? Sure. I mean, my family and I just got back from Santa Fe, and I don't know. Um, it, it was a trip that we had postponed, probably like so many other people, postponed so many times during COVID. So it was, um, you know, my kids were, you know, whatever, three years you know, three years younger when all this started or two and a half years younger when all this started. And so to take a trip today is, is very different um, than it would have been then. And so it was just real, I don't know, it was just fun to have a family adventure uh, with all of us. And so was it just your immediate family or was it your parents? Um... No, just me and my kids and my husband. Okay. And tell us about maybe something unusual that you did there or something that you enjoyed together as a yeah, family. Well, we went to this wild kind of interactive, I don't know if they call it a museum. They might call it a museum, but it was called Meow Wolf. It was fascinating. And my kids, it was this artistic, or I mean, I, I, again, hard to put words to what this experience was, but you, it's inside, you walk into this home, but like, for instance, you open up the fridge and the fridge is like a portal to oh. a whole nother, to a whole nother kind of imaginary land. And then, you know, you open up the, the dryer and there's a slide and, it, and then you slide down to this other imaginary land. <laughs> this place oh, super fun. Anyway, <laughs> it was really fun. And it was, it was really fun to see my kids explore and, and go through it. Like a family speakeasy or something. It was wild. I mean, yeah, had there been a bar, that would have, that would have just taken taken it all up another to level a next for me, level. for sure. <laughs> right. Is there something that people might be surprised to learn about you? Is there something that you did as a child? Do you rappel down mountains? Do you skydive? Do you swim with sharks? Oh, I do not do any of that. Um, what would... Um, I'm trying to think. I mean... I think this probably goes for many people, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a big giant introvert. So that, that, I don't know if that's such a big surprise. Cause I think so many of us actually are, but that would probably, that's the first thing that came, came to my mind. Okay. Um, now that does surprise me. You have such a great personality that I can't imagine you being at a party and being off in a corner somewhere. Well, so. that's where <laughs> that's where you'd be. Me and my great personality, that is exactly where we would be. Okay. <laughs> uh, on that note, we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. Oh, <laughs> you ready? These are very, very lighthearted questions. What kind of car do you drive? Okay, not into cars at all. Yeah, but you drive a car. <laughs> but I do drive a car. What is it? And it is a, um, it's, I believe it's a Volvo. Okay. Favorite designer brand? Does Nike count? Of course. Okay, Nike. Okay. What's your favorite flower? Oh, Queen Anne's Lace. Easy. Okay. Favorite holiday? Oh, that's a good one. Um, maybe... Maybe one of the, like, either Labor Day or Memorial Day, just because I like the warm, I like the time of year that they are, okay. which I guess they're not really, like, holidays, but um, anything in, in warm summer weather. And what's one of your guilty pleasures? Dessert, in, in pretty much any and all forms. Okay, there you go. April, way too much fun chatting with you today. You have been a true delight. 
Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.